He knows our name. He knows our inmost being. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows the very words that we'll say before we speak them. He knows us. He knows who we are. And so I want to ask a very hard question this morning, though. Do you know him? Do you know him? It's hard to know somebody you don't spend any time with. Do you know him? Do you know this man named Jesus? If not, I got news for you. Today is the day. I'm going to introduce you to him. Tell you about a man who stopped by the side of the road to speak to a nobody who was clearly somebody to him. Amen? Amen. So, good morning, church family. We'll let that heaviness just rest there for a minute. Good morning, church family. For those who don't know me, my name is Carlton Coleman, and I have the privilege and the honor of serving as the director of worship here at New Community Covenant Church. And the honor of bringing you the word of God this morning. Uh, I have to tell you, it's a little surreal. Uh, This is only the second time that I've done this, and so... My nerves are like a Venus and Serena match. Pow, 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 pow. Just the back and forth. God has it though, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so uh, first and foremost, I just want to give God thanks and praise for my sweet mother who is here spending some time with her. So glad. Yeah. Yeah. For those who know me know that I am a big fan of my mother. I love her. I love her dearly. And my beloved, of course, being here. And thank you, Emily. Thank you, staff. Um, thank you, church family, for trusting me with the word of God this morning. So before we, uh, before we get into it, um, I realized over these past few weeks that as we've been talking about membership, and this is in no way a shameless plug for membership. I'm not, I'm not trying to work you up on nothing. I'm not, that's not what, I, that's between you and the Holy Spirit, okay? But I will say this, uh, 12 years this year, 12 years this month, I'm sorry, that I've been at New Community. I'm considered one of the old timers, not like Doug and Mara, though. You guys have been here for a minute. You have been here for a minute. But that is a long time, right? And, uh, and five of those years, I've been a member. Uh, real talk, I was good with just coming to New Community until Pastor Caitlin came to me and asked me in the only way that she can, you're not a member, are you? And I said, I feel like you already know the answer to that, so... Um, I don't want to incriminate myself, but no, I'm not. I'm not a member. And she said, uh, Cece, nobody can deny your commitment and your service to this church. Nobody. She says, but can you really call it your home without being a member? And I was like, okay. <laughs> Touche. Fair enough. And so, uh, so I started reading the word and, and things like, the body and its members and submitting to authority and all these things, you know, all these buzzwords, like a word cloud was going on in my head. And uh, I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, I see you. I see you. More than that, I hear you. So I became a member. I became a member. And uh, it was one of the best decisions that I made. I loved my home church that I was at in Rockford, Illinois, before I became a member of the new community. Still love it very much. But when God calls you somewhere, come here. When God calls you somewhere, you want to commit to it, right? So for those of you who are on the fence, for those of you who are questioning, for those of you who are just not sure, spend some time, real time, with the Holy Spirit and uh, 
and decide if this should be your church home. I think it's Psalms 92, and help me out, if I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it says, those who are planted in the right house will flourish and grow well. Those who are planted in the right house will flourish and grow well. So if this is the house for you, then do your thing, okay? So I'm going to walk away from that and leave that alone. Let's get into today's sermon. So the, for the past three weeks, we have heard from the Holy Spirit, yeah? Yeah? We've heard from the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Emily kicked us off uh, with setting this up. We've been saying to the Lord, we want to see, or as I've been saying, help us to see, oh God. Help us to see. Help. Come on, somebody. Help us to see. Thank you, John. I see you. Help us to see. And then, uh, and then Tim, uh, Tim kicked us off, and he asked us very directly, who is this Jesus, right? <laughs> who is this Jesus? Who is this king that stopped by the road? And they'd be like, and he just lets it hang out there for a second. Y'all know how he do, right? <laughs> And then he answered for us. He said, uh, this is the son of David, Advent fulfilled. That's who Jesus was, the precious lamb of God who was on his way to die to take away the sins of the world. Then our sweet sister Ruth shifted our focus to the crowd and their reaction to the blind man who at the time and even now represents the marginalized. But as Ruth pointed out, Jesus was intentional about bringing the marginalized to the forefront. Right? That's what he came for. He didn't come for the pride. He didn't come for the rich. He didn't come for the famous. He didn't come for any of that. He came for the marginalized. And then she very powerfully asked us this. What values does Jesus have that you and I often lack? That was a gut punch. Thanks for that, that right hook. Um, Hopefully some of y'all sat with that. If not, take a picture um, and ask yourself that question. And then lastly, my dear sweet brother, Michael, brother, very, very invitationally, like, shared of the blind man's willingness to acknowledge that he needed help. From a place of humility, from a place of boldness, he asked for that help. And Michael reminded us that it's our faith in Jesus that gives us the power to reject pride, shame, and fear. It is our faith in Jesus that gives us the power to reject pride. I can do it by myself. I've got this on my own. Shame, I'm so afraid. I'm so sad, I'm ashamed of what I've done and fear. I don't want anyone to know that I need help. And asked to be healed. Michael's message was a proclamation of what bold faith looks like. Thank you, brother. And now that we are a bit up to speed, I'm going to ask you to rest on your feet, take out your Bibles or your devices, everyone's standing, or you can look on the screen as we read God's word, uh, Luke 18, 35 through 43. Then it happened, as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before him warned him that he should be quiet. told him to shut up, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying him. 
and glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and the doers of his word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Just the last part of that verse, um, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. Just like how God will shut up your haters. This is one of my favorite things. Shut up your haters. So as I spent some time studying and reviewing the story of the blind man, we see that this entire encounter with Jesus was driven by one thing. What was that one thing? What was that one thing that it was driven by? Faith. Faith. That's it. Faith. That's it. Through, by, the, the blind man had a need. He had a grave need. And it was by faith through grace that his need was met. He listened for Jesus, he shouted for Jesus, he approached Jesus, what he asked for, and how he literally followed Jesus after he was healed. It was this bold, supernatural faith, not in himself, not in the crowd, not in those who tried to shut him up, but in Jesus that changed the situation and his entire life. Friends, I've been doing ministry for about 25 plus years. Some of you can do the math on your own. Um, and I can tell you with this blessed assurance, I have never, ever seen God fail. Yeah. Not once. He can't. Yeah. He can't. I think it's in Proverbs that said that the word of God is perfect and it is infallible and you can stand on it. Yeah. I've never, ever, ever seen God fail, regardless of the circumstance. Hear me when I say I've seen God work miracles, especially when someone is asked in faith and took him at his word. And because she's here today and a willing participant, I'm going to use my mother as an example. Now, I talked to her already, so she's cool. She's cool with this. But my mother was an alcoholic for 10 years, 10 strong years. And I don't mean the type of alcoholic who just took a drink once in a while. I'm talking about the type of alcoholic when she would leave somewhere, a drive, what, 30, 40 minutes home? She's not even sure how she got there. Not even sure how she got home. And she said to the Lord in 1988, she says, I am tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm tired of being sick and tired. Remove the taste of alcohol from my mouth. Immediately, that taste was gone. Immediately. Immediately. And I know that for some this morning, that's probably hard to grasp. You know, God, can you really do that? God, is that, is that who you are? But this is the same God who set the sun, the moon, and the stars in the heavens. This is the same God who poured out the oceans, the streams, and the lakes over the earth. This is the same God who raised the dead. Yes, that same God. I'll use my own beloved. This is the same God who healed her body of cancer. You heard her story last year, right? Like, this is who God is. So why can't he work miracles in our lives what is it that is keeping us from saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? What is stopping us? What is stopping us? Look, new community, and we hear this. Um, we've heard this for some time. We are in a critical season in the life of our church. I know some people are tired of hearing that. I'm tired of saying it, but it's the truth. And it's not just because we don't have a pastor. That is one part of it. But it's more that God is calling us as a community to a higher place of faith, right? And he's saying, new community, this is who I want you to be in this season. He's saying, I want you to collectively come together as a church body and fast and pray so you can be exactly who I've called you to be. Not who anybody else says you are, but who I say you are. 
That's what God is calling us to do here in New Community, together. And the only way that we're going to get there is collectively with our faith. Now, I know that there are some this morning right here in this building um, who have been stuck spiritually and you haven't been able to see or feel or hear God for some time. So as we close this series today, I'd like to ask you one question, just one. If Jesus were standing in front of you and he asked, what do you want from me? How would you respond? How would you respond? What would you say to him? Put that back up there for me, John. What would your answer be? Think about that. Let me pray for us. Father, we come in your presence right now. We sense that you are already here. We know that you are already here. Lord, I ask that this word today would be a sword and a staff for those who need it, God. That it would pierce hearts, that it would turn hearts towards you, and that those who do not call you master or savior or king will follow you after today. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. In your son's righteous name I pray, amen. Amen. So a bit of history. Tim likes history. I kind of got this from my brother Tim. You know, he likes to give kind of a backstory and, you know, some context and that sort of thing. I just like to go right in, but I'll do you a solid, Tim. I know you love that. So, uh, so the New Testament records of Jesus' miracles begin the wedding in Cana. That was his first miracle, right? North of Galilee, and then that's where he turned the water into wine. And then it was here, his very last miracle, south of Judea, was giving sight to the blind man. And it's really fitting that the first and last miracles of Jesus bracket the land of Israel, because in between those miracles in time and geography, he moved from place to place preaching and teaching the kingdom of God and salvation, demonstrating and proving his deity by his miraculous power. This miracle of giving sight to the blind man, if you will, put the period at the end of an astonishing sentence of all the miracles that he had performed. From the time of his baptism in the Jordan, Jesus filled Israel with supernatural power, and it was on full display, banishing disease, demons, and death, demonstrating that he had total authority over the physical and the supernatural realm. Clearly, he is the Son of God. Clearly, he is the Messiah. Clearly, he came to do the will of his Father. And although he was on his way to complete his mission here on earth that day, he stopped for a man, a lonely sinner, not worthy of notice by anyone else. Jesus saw him. He saw past his exterior. He saw, others pre- saw past others' preconceptions about him. He saw his child. And he sought him out. He sought him out. Much like Hagar in the Old Testament, like the, much like the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus stopped and sought him out. He found these individuals in the middle of their messy circumstances, and because of their faith, their needs were met. I think the same can be certainly said about us in our spiritual lives, right? Right? God knows that we have needs. He's just waiting on us to exercise our faith and ask, much like the blind man did. He's just waiting on us, you know. Michael told us last year that it's faith that allows us to reject what? Pride, shame, and fear. God is just waiting on us. The word tells us that the blind man or blind Bartimaeus, nobody said his name, 
Nobody said his name. He knows his name. Yeah, it's blind Bartimaeus. Mark knew his name. I think Mark was the only account that called him by his name, right? Blind Bartimaeus had a condition, and to our knowledge, he had always been blind, but there was no cure. You know, there were no hospitals. There were no clinics. There were nothing back then. So that meant if you were blind, sick, or you had a serious illness, you were just out of luck. That was it back then. And isn't it strange and funny when people have something wrong that they cannot fix, they tend to congregate with other people who have something wrong that they cannot fix. And they develop a fraternity in their misery, right? It's like dogs licking each other's wounds when they get hurt. That's kind of what it, what it looks like. I don't know if you guys remember in the word uh, the lepers or the five porches of Bethesda, right? People who were congregated in sections, they were defined by their pain or their conditions, and what did they do? They made the best of a bad situation. The blind man did this. He learned to survive, developing a way to live with a condition that he could not change. What do you do when there's something wrong and you can't fix it? What do you guys do when there's something wrong and you can't fix it? I'm sure that the answers are all over the place. You can hold those in your heart. You don't have to shout them out. Do you go to other people who've got issues and you know they can't fix it, but you talk to them? Or do you bring your problems to those who have problems worse than yours and they try to fix it? I'll tell you what the blind man did. He sat by the side of the road, stuck, while everyone else was passing him by. Is that not us sometimes when we have an issue? We just sit there stuck while everybody else just passes us by. The scary thing about this condition of being stuck, or another word that I'll use is complacent. That's probably for you intellectual types. That's not me. Is many of us are fine with being in this place, both naturally and spiritually. We make the best of a bad situation. We tell ourselves that things will never change, and we, get, we, we become desensitized to what it is that we're feeling. This state of complacency will eventually cause us to become stagnant, motionless, and even lifeless if we're not careful. Yeah. Pastor and author A.W. Tozer said this, complacency is a deadly enemy of spiritual progress, and a contented soul is a stagnant soul. Good. Go ahead and take a look at that. I can hear some of you in my spirit saying, why are you sharing this, CC? Why are you talking to me about this? I hear some of you. I hear it. Because for some of us, our faith has made us stagnant and we can't see much like the blind man. That's why I'm talking about it. Let me share my own personal example of being what stuck looks like. It's so back in 2000, year 2000, again, 25 years, you can do the math. Um, I was really kind of riding a high you know, I was the director of worship at my home church. I was a Bible study teacher. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was singing and preaching all around the city. I was a local celebrity, if you will. Local celebrity. In Rockford, ain't nobody tripping about no local celebrities in Rockford. Nobody's tripping about local celebrities in Rockford. But no, really, really, I was, uh, I, from the outside, it really looked like I had all of my stuff together. And, and it can be like that at times for us, right? Um, but spiritually, I was stuck. I had some blind spots, some things that I, I was doing that I couldn't see. In March of that year, March of that year, I was on my way to a, to a concert, 
and I was driving down one of the busiest streets in Rockford, Illinois there, and I went to look into the console, the side or the center console, took my eyes off the road for just not even two seconds. And when I looked up, my car was veering, and the car was coming head on, and boom, about 40, 45 miles an hour, head-on collision. I can tell you that uh, that collision resulted in a broken femur, clean break in my leg. I have a titanium rod and two bolts there. Getting a no CC today. I had some lung contusion. My liver was lacerated, and first, most, uh, worst of all, my pride was shattered, completely shattered. And why? Because that accident was completely avoidable. It was completely avoidable. It put me in the hospital for seven days, four days in the ICU, three days in recovery, and then seven long months to learn to walk again. Looking back, and my mother would testify to this, I think God was trying to get my attention. He wanted to slow me down. I'm not saying that he did that. Make no mistake about that. But he did say, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to speak to you, my son. All right? One of those nights when I was in the hospital, my spiritual mother, my assistant pastor, who some of you have heard me talk about, she's gone on to be with the Lord. She said, son, I've been watching you these pa this past year. And she said, there have been some things going on in your life that have caused you to lose focus on who Jesus is. She said, here you are going down the road and you took your eyes off of your destination for two seconds. And it almost ended your life. I don't need to explain the parallels between the natural and the spiritual here. I don't. You guys are smart enough, and you get that. My life, these blind spots, things that I could not see, caused me to take my eyes off Jesus. I may not have been blind naturally, but I sure was blind spiritually. Everyone in here has spiritual blind spots. Everyone in here. Sidebar about that story, if you don't have a mentor, an elder, someone speaking into your life, that's a blind spot. Find somebody who can speak some real truth to you, hold you accountable, and check you when you need it. Do that. Do that. It's a, it's a blind spot if you don't, so you're welcome. I'll give you that one for free. We all know what blind spots are, right? We all know what they are. Because I used that accident as, as an example, we'll talk about driving. Someone comes up in your blind spot and you don't see them and out of nowhere, boom, right? This accident can... Take your life if you're not careful. These things that we cannot see, these spiritual blind spots, can be any number of things. They can be relationships. They can be jobs. They can be people. Whatever it is. Everyone in here has that something, this blind spot, something that has caused them to pray more, something that has caused them to reach out for help, something that has caused them to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I have a spiritual sickness, Lord, and I cannot fix. And if I don't get a touch from you, God, I will stay stuck by the side of the road like the blind man, begging for help, begging for help, begging for help, begging for help. When I was reading this, I thought, Emily, about the cup, the cup, whatever the blind man was holding, the cup, the cup, the cup, the cup what they must have poured into his cup, things that he didn't need, the cup, the cup, the cup, things that they put in, I don't need that, the cup, the cup, the cup. What was it that they poured into his spirit? The cup, the cup, what was it? What have people poured into your spirit? What have people lied to you and said? What have people uh, contributed to your trauma and done to you? The cup, the cup, the cup, 
the cup. Right? Help me, Holy Spirit. I wonder if that cup represented the cup of bitterness that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. The cup, the cup, the cup. What are people pouring into your spirit? What are people saying to you? The cup, the cup. Hmm. This was the blind man. This is who he was. Until one day. Until one day. Until one day. Some of y'all got it. Until one day. Until one day. I'm going to do something real black church here. Look to the person next to you and say, today is your day. Look at the person on the other side of you, across the aisle if you need to, and say, today is your day. That's right. <laughs> today is your day. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, if your heart has been overwhelmed and your mind has been confused, if you've been shaking the cup, the cup, the cup, in the face of people who have way more problems than you, I have news for you. Today is the day that God is going to deliver you. This is what happened to the blind man. He heard he heard Jesus was passing. He heard Jesus was passing by. He heard Jesus was passing by. That day for the blind, blind man didn't start out with what he didn't have, but it started out with what he did have. Right? The Bible said that he heard Jesus was passing by. He couldn't see, but bless God, he could still hear. He couldn't see, but bless God that he could still hear. I want to point this fact out. No matter what we don't have, there's always something that we do have, and God doesn't need anything that we've lost to heal us. God doesn't need anything that we've lost to heal us. So forget about that relationship, forget about that job, and all that other stuff that you've been crying over, because God says, I don't need, you don't need that for me to heal you. You don't need that. He's going to use something that we have left to bring a miracle in our lives. Because your miracle is not in what you've lost, but that miracle is in what you have left. And God will use that to set us free and help us to see. And what you have left, God will use that to help us to see. You see, this day was very different than any other for the blind man. Every other day, he focused on what he didn't have, but on this day, but on this day, he focused on what he did to have. The blind man can hear, the blind man can hear, and we need to serve notice on the enemy. You may have taken this, but you didn't take this. You may have taken this, but you didn't take this. God will always leave something in your arsenal. Always. There will always have a weapon. Always. <sighs> The word said that he heard that Jesus was passing by. I think it's Romans 10, 17 says that faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when the Lord speaks, harden not your heart. That's what another scripture says. Moments of true deliverance and healing pass by. Right, babe? Yeah. They pass by. That's where they're called visitations. Yeah. Yeah. They don't stay. They don't stay. And so we can't procrastinate when the spirit of God is in the room. We can't say you know what, God, I'm good for today. I don't need prayer today. I don't need to check in with my spiritual mentor today. I don't, I don't need, the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you something. These moments will pass you by. He didn't come to stay. In verse 37, it said that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by. 
That's what the Lord told Moses in Exodus 33. He says, as my glory and presence passes by, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. God knew that Moses had gone through a lifetime of hell and he was in the desert. He was all over the place and that he had suffered. But he says, you need to be in my presence. I have something for you. Right? Same thing with the woman with the issue of blood. 12 years, the Bible said. 12 years, the Bible says she heard him and got into the press. And she said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made whole. That's what she said, right? And the Bible says immediately her infirmity was dried up. Her faith, her faith, her faith. She was changed. I shared this with, uh, with the staff last week and, uh, and some folks on, the, on a call uh, earlier this part of the week. My grandmother, God rest her soul, 95 years old, she laid down, went to sleep, and woke up in heaven. That's how she left here. Isn't that a sweet way to go? I mean, seriously. But she used to say this all the time. You cannot spend real time in God's presence and not be changed. It's impossible. It is impossible. This is what happened to Moses. This is what happened to the woman with the issue of blood. And this is certainly what happened to the blind man. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he said that, the word said that Jesus stood still. Here it was. The creator and the maker of heaven and earth stood still. This crying blind man, this screaming blind man, the hearing blind man had gotten Jesus' attention. What an amazing thing that this God in flesh would stop and ask, what do you want me to do for you? I'm on my way to die. I'm on my way to fulfill my father's wishes. But my work is not done. What do you want me to do for you? How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? I believe that God asks us that all the time. Son, daughter, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answered, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. I want to see you high and lifted up. Lord, new community, we want to see you. New community, we want to see him. We need to see him. Sarah, you can come on up here. Here it was. The son of David stopped and looked at Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And today, the Lord is looking at each of you. He's looking at each and every one of you right now. What do you want from me, is what he's asking. I'll ask this again. If Jesus is standing in front of you, and he asks you this question, what would you say? What would you say? Leave that up there for me, John. Some might say, Jesus saved my mother. Jesus saved my father. Some might say, Jesus healed my marriage. Some might say, Jesus healed my body. Others might say, God, I don't know my value or my worth. What is it? What is it, Lord? Others might say, God, I just need to know who I am 
Fix my mind, God. Others might say, God, I need peace. I need peace. I need peace. Some might say, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit in me. What would you say? If Jesus, the incarnate God, God in flesh, was standing right in front of you, what would you say? Me? Me. I would say what I've always said. Lord, help me to see myself how you see me. Lord, help me to see myself how you see me. Lord, help me to see myself how you see me. Blameless, beloved, your child, your son. That's how God sees me. Let me tell you, Zion, the blind man didn't have to see to be seen by Jesus. (laughs) We don't have to see to be seen by Jesus. We don't. We don't. He already sees us. He already sees us. And he's asking, what do you want from me today? How many of us want to see in here today? How many of us want to see today? So here's the thing. I've been talking to the Lord for the last three weeks about this. And the Lord said at the end of your sermon, offer for folks to come up if they want prayer. If you want to see, I would ask that you just make your way on up to the front. Ruth, if you could stand right there. Lori, if you could stand right here. Make your way on up to the front if you want some prayer. Michael, if you could come up here, right here in the center. If you want to see today, if you want prayer, I ask that you would come on up this morning. Because the Lord is moving. The Spirit is passing by. Mm 